Look, have mercy on me. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. As you can tell, we are not in studio. If you do not live in Memphis or do not pay attention to the weather at all, there was a ton of snow in this area. So, no shot, me or Gabe or Kenny were driving to Cordova tonight. So, we're recording this week from the comforts of our homes. Uh, maybe a little, a little shorter I'm, episode this week. We can't have as much fun when we're not. Hey, buddy, listen, I'm not at my house. See, yeah, I'm Gabe, not even at my home. Yeah, Gabe's not even in the comfort of his home. I, He's in the comfort of the 92.9 ESPN studio. Yes, I'm. In, I'm in the comfort of Odyssey, Memphis, baby. Because listen, here's the thing: I got Xfinity, right? And they, they do really, they do a fantastic job. If you haven't checked out Xfinity, shameless plug here. They literally do it all for you. You got the Xfinity Stream app. They do great with Wi-Fi, yada, yada. But sometimes when it gets a little cold outside, Memphis can't handle it. Sometimes the Wi-Fi receivers get a little weird. So I had to, I had to pull up here. I hope everybody's doing well, though, man. Yeah. I really do. Because this, yeah. is, this is the most – this is by far, by far the most snow I've ever seen in Memphis since I've been here. Three years ago, it was more than this. Is it, is it, I mean, where I'm at out here in East Memphis is about six inches. This is – for me, easily the most being around the university, East Memphis, downtown, like this is the most I've seen here. Yeah, I, three years ago it was either it was between six and nine. It was a it was a fair amount, but yeah. this was ridiculous. I just just got in. What's it's six fifty three on Monday night right now. I got home at six oh six from Dallas, and let me tell you, there was not a spot that I went to that didn't have snow today. Drove seven hours straight through snow and all that stuff. It wasn't supposed to be any snow in Dallas. Woke up in this woke up this morning to two inches of snow in Dallas. And I'm talking about we are we could almost throw a rock and hit ATT Stadium. Like that's how close right. we were to the stadium. There was not supposed to be any snow. Woke up this morning, there was about two inches of snow, and then became a conversation of do we go home? How do we get home? And we were thinking about going down to Shreveport, Louisiana, and then up through South Mississippi through Jackson. But we ended up looking this morning and saw that like Oxford and Batesville and all that was supposed to be even worse than it was here. So it was like, all right, we just got to go through Arkansas, which we know had already been snowed through. So it was a uh, it was an interesting drive. It took High, highway snow. You had highway snow. Yeah, the, oh, the, that's the worst type because when you're trying to switch lanes, you yeah. start sliding out. Honestly, the interstates weren't horrible until we got to like West Memphis, and from West Memphis to my house in Olive Branch was was horrible. I mean, the interstates right. are so – like you talk about Memphis not being able to handle it. Memphis cannot well, handle it. Well, you know not- Memphis's entire, like, thought process on snow is it'll melt. Yeah. <laughs> that's literally the entire – that's all they did. Yeah. Now, right. can I say this since we're on uh, – we, we have an online uh, type uh, beat here this week. When we're doing the pod. Can we uh can we slide in Kenny Stubblefield so people can see his face for a half second? Let's Is see. Kenny, Kenny you there? here, man. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny. This is the first I'm time. Up, this is the first time in the history of On the Bluff, all three of us, because mm. I've done individuals with Kenny, Gabe's done individuals with Kenny. This is the first time we've all three been on camera at the same time. So yeah, this Kenny's is, beard this is cool. looking full and thick and good, brother. Hey, good for you. Thank you, man. Yeah, I, got, I just I, I let it go. I got let it go for a minute. When I got a haircut a couple weeks ago, I was in St. Louis. I went to the uh, they have a place called the Hair Saloon for Men. Hair Saloon. Oh, I so like that. Like, it's just strictly for men. Um, 
I went in there and I just said, Hey, take a, take a three to a five, three, four, five, and just, just shave it off. And I, I mean, it's coming in though. It's, it's starting to get, I don't, dude, on the- hey, listen, I, that's what I told her. I said, it'll grow back. So yeah. you could, hell, no you could shave it all the way off. It'll be back before the sun goes down. I mean, the last time we talked, I think maybe the last couple of times we were in the studio, we've been asking a Christian about his mustache. Is it, is it, have well, we thought about it? He's back, he's back to full goatee. He's a goatee it's not guy. the time of year. We've got to wait till it warms up a little bit. Not that this does much for that at all. I mean, it's pretty porous, as you can see, but well, it's, it's just, the mustache is not a wintertime vibe. It is a spring-summer vibe. He went to Dallas, and he had the goatee on, and he probably listened to Seeger both ways the whole mm-hmm. You're you're not wrong. Seeger definitely played night moves. Definitely play like Seeger's always. If I'm on a road trip, Seeger is going to play, and you know this. Yeah, for sure. I I thought about on on the way home from Fort Worth, right, Kenny? We called Gabe and saying I I sang a little night moves to him. So I thought about doing it again, but I didn't. I'll say this, and I'm not trying. We'll talk about it a little bit later, okay? And maybe we won't talk about your angle here. Um. But we did have Super Wild Card Weekend. We'll talk about it in the Hot Three. Mm. But are you all right? Are you okay? Ah. I like it. Honestly, Kenny, I'm surprised yeah. you made it onto the pod this week. So I texted you this morning and said, Gabe, do you want to podcast with me tonight? And Christian was like, I'll do it. And I was like, oh, I genuinely and had no – it would not have bothered me at all if he had just been like, bro, I'm out. Like, that's I can't what we expected. It. We but expected like, here's that. The thing. Yeah, yeah, like, I think Christian wants to get back to normal life as soon <laughs> as possible. Like, 48 32, Packers running it up. Jordan Love looking like freaking prime Joe Montana. Like, it was just too much for him. So, he has to try to get back to normal life very quickly. I yeah. don't blame him. I mean, I'll uh, let me let me give you guys the honest breakdown. This is this is my weekend. I had an incur like we had a great. I, I bet it was a good time until you, the, it, the game hit. It was. It was. It was a great time. We had two really incredible meals. We ate two really nice dinners Friday and Saturday night. I was there with Anna Ruth. Can't my hide money. Do what? I said can't hide money. Can't, can't hide money. <laughs> uh, I was there with my girlfriend Anna Ruth and my parents, and so it was like, how could I not have a good time? So. We really, really enjoyed ourselves. Obviously, we were excited about the game. And I could tell pretty quickly it was not going to go our way. Like, and, and you got people around you saying, oh, it's okay. No, it's not. I'm a diehard fan. I probably, in not an egotistical way, know more than 99.999% of the 100,000 people in that stadium. Like, I've lived and breathed football my entire life. And I know this team very well. And I know when stuff is going to go sideways. And so I knew early on this is not good. This is not good, and it's not going to be good. And so I kind of accepted it and just rolled with it. And we left at the end of the third quarter. As soon as Luke Musgrave scored that wide-open touchdown, I looked down at my I looked down at my dad before, and I was like, I'm wide about ready. Open. Wide open. Wide I was like, I'm about open. ready to leave. And he looked at me. He said, if they score here, we're gone. And next play, boom, Luke Musgrave, we stood up and we dipped. And we walked, whatever it was, half a mile back to the uh, Airbnb that we were staying in and the – 15 degree weather and didn't care at all. Got home, was sad for a minute and didn't let it affect me anymore after that. I gave myself like 20 to 30 minutes. And then I was like, what can you do? Can't do anything. We went and got some pizza. We had a great night. Watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it was, it was a good yeah. night. Good so, movie. Hey, that's a good, hey, nice. Very good I have movie. a question. I have a question for you. There's kind of a newer relationship with you and Anna Ruth. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's still experiencing all a bunch of brand new things. Be a good question. I'm, I'm hyping myself up for this question. Yeah, like a bunch of brand new things, right? Like y'all are still experiencing all that. It's just a really joyous time for y'all, like being able to see each other in different places, right? Yeah. How did how were you as a fan, and did, were you hesitant to bring Anna Ruth to see you as a fan <laughs> in the stadium? No. So psychopath is, Christian. Psychopath yeah, like, you turned into like psychopath Christian. This is going to blow all, 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 all y'all. This is going to blow both of y'all's minds, and I guess anybody that's listening that knows me's mind. Since we've started dating, she has watched every single Cowboys game with me and my dad. Whoa. Oh. It was not. It was. Not, it was. Not, it was a non-negotiable. It was a non-negotiable. Exactly. See, look, yeah, man. Come on now, buddy. Listen, <laughs> what are we waiting hey, for? He's man? got the black one, the silicone. <laughs> I got the gold, brother. Come yeah. on. You need. It was a. Hey. When 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 my dad brought up going on this trip, it was a non-negotiable for her to come. It, he he does not negotiate watching games with her. Like she has to be there when we watch See, games now. This this makes so much sense. Why you announced it too when you did around Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, I, I get it now. The whole, I need to the meet whole. Anna Ruth. bro. I still haven't met Anna Ruth. Is that that seems kind of? I, I told you, let me know. I told both of y'all, let me know, and we'll we'll do it. Do we want to go on like a double date. I can set up a double date. Uh, Kenny's wanting a triple date. Oh, we go tri- how about okay? How about this? This is what we're gonna plan right now before we get into a little bit of Tigers because we have to talk some Tiger basketball. Okay, and, uh, a big win, good win, great second half. Yep. Let's plan a triple date right now. Know where mm-hmm. we're going. Know where we're going. Y'all should know where we're going. Come on, Bishop. All of us. Hog and Hominy or let's go Hog and Hominy. Perfect. On yep. Kenny. On me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he even sounds. Oh, hey. Wait, 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 wait. She handled. We yeah. already agree. We've got that on camera. Gabe, it's, hey, the, it's on the pod, so it has to go. Gabe is the international sports media icon with the bankroll. Why are we? Why? Oh, buddy. Listen for this? International. That is hilarious. <laughs> I almost tried to play some Canadian football, I guess. So maybe I was on the free agent list go. for Canadian football. International <laughs> icon. It's true. <laughs> sports God. media icon. Oh, my gosh. Just like when you asked Silverfield about my uh, wedding that he couldn't attend, and you said, uh, uh, "You know, he's an absolute podcasting radio mm, legend." Legend, you, legend. You, you, you love setting me up for failure, Kenny. I'll he tell you he likes to oversell you. He likes to oversell me, okay. and then for people to say he probably thinks he's a legend in his own mind. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen. F them. Who cares what they think? We know you. They don't know you. We yeah. think you're a legend. Um, it's fair. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Do you? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Were you upset when I asked him that question? Did it piss no, you off? No, not at bit? all. I actually enjoyed okay. it. It's, it's, it's kind of I a nice tell. memory, man. I couldn't at my, at my um At my rehearsal dinner, we had him, so Ryan, Barry Odom, Fuente. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to continue to think here. Uh, uh, Lechtenberg, this is for my first staff because my dad's real uh, good friends with all the Memphis football first staff that was here with Fuente and all those guys, he got like all of them to, you know, call in, do like a special, you know, congrats to us and everything else. That was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was, cool. I was totally fine with you asking that question. I thought Although when he got to, when he got to the point when he was saying, well, I, he only put me on his, uh, invite list because of the registry. I was like, all right, listen, all right. Relax. You make mil- you make a couple million a year. You bought me an air fryer. I think you know. Hey, uh, you know. that extension. It's coming always nice to just invite. You're supposed to invite everybody. Here's what You're we do. Here's what we do. Want to be there? 
Krisha needs to wait to propose to Anna Ruth until Ryan gets his extension, and then, oh, and then maybe <laughs> maybe the present will go here. go up a little bit. Okay, <laughs> maybe it's possible here. You know, we'll it's see. possible. All, All right. right, let's do it. Basketball. Yeah, let's talk a little Memphis basketball. A 112 to 86 victory over Wichita State. This fell. In, this game fell into the category of. This could be one that Memphis drops. We talked about that. We talked about Wichita State and Tulane being two potential teams in the conference that could give them a not a run for their money in terms of like conference standings, but a team that could upset them and surprise them in a game. Well, Memphis delivered their biggest win of the year, had good performances from multiple players. And as you mentioned, an incredible second half. It was relatively tight through the first half. And Memphis really caught fire and ended up running away with this game. And as I mentioned, getting their biggest win of the year. What did you think, Gabe Coon? Um, I think that you had a run of five games after the top 25 stretch. After Virginia, of course. You had Vandy, Austin P at Tulsa, SMU, UTSA. And you just played down the competition. And you, you were wondering, like, okay, when are you going to learn your lesson? Especially once they got in the conference play, played that over – time game with UTSA you're like oh my gosh I thought you would have learned your lesson by now right you already played close with SMU and Tulsa you had to have Javon Quinterly knock down a three with three and four seconds left respectively and uh that UTSA game I was just so dis I was unenthused with their effort and the and the performance they brought but then you go on the road at Wichita State and you're wondering oh god like is this you know if, if Wichita State goes up early this thing could flip on its head. I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm impressed with this team because not only the 112, that is the most points scored in a conference game in the American athletic conference in its history. And I know it's a short history, but two, I think that this team decided to sort of rally around Jaquan Walton's rallying cry where he said, you know, if you let them get up in this game early, it's going to be real a real struggle because Wichita shows up for their basketball team. They came out. The first half was relatively close, but after they got out of halftime, they just said to hell with it and just started going nuts. And Jaquan Walton was one of those guys, Javon Quinterly, David Jones. Like, you just keep going down the list. I was just impressed with the resolve there. This was yeah. one that we were scared of, that we circled, and they clearly circled it as well, and I think that that's a positive thing. Yeah, just this isn't something that we normally do, but you typically don't have a game where you score 112 points. Like just running down the stat lines from this game and what the players did, it just shows you what we've talked about all offseason and all during the season, that when this team is firing on all cylinders, they have so much firepower. You look at Malcolm Dandridge with 10 points and seven rebounds, David Jones with 19 points, 17 in the second half, Nick Jordan with 12 points, only missed one shot. Um, Jaquan Walton with 23, 6 of 8 from 3. Javon Quinterly, 23 points, 11 assists, 5 of 6 from 3. Naquan Tomlin with 14 points off the bench, hit two threes. Memphis went 19 of 30 from the three-point line, shot 63% from three and 65% from the floor. Like, this was as good of an offensive performance as you could possibly have. This was every single player on the team maybe not playing to like 100% top of their best game ability as an individual, but as a team offensively, yeah. I don't think you can have no. a pure game than this. It, it was dead on. Uh, and the 19 for 30 from three was nuts. Um, Insane. What, what what bothers me, though, is, okay, you can 
enjoy it. Like you feel good about where the where this team is headed and, you know, the fact that their metrics are looking better, they jumped from 50th to 39th in net because they blew out a team. And apparently right. uh, with the net, for whatever reason, blowouts matter more than winning against good competition, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but it does frustrate you after you have the happiness in the moment. It's, it does frustrate it you. It's like, damn, it's guys, you're, you're capable of this. You, you have enough three-point shooting. You play enough defense. You can get up and down the floor. You can attack the basket. And then, like, the previous five games, they just didn't quite do that at high enough a high enough level. And I thought also that they were unbelievable at sharing the ball. Exactly. I mean, Javon Quinterly had 11 assists. 11 assists. Everybody assists. else in the starting lineup had three-plus. So it's like that's – you enjoy that for what it was. But you're like, guys, continue this. Like, keep – you're way too talented – to go to overtime with UTSA, you're way too talented to, on your home floor, have to have a, a prayer three thrown up by Javon Quinterly. That, that's the frustrating part of where this team's at. But at the same time, the, the not-so-frustrating part, and let, let, I never want to lose sight of this, there's way more positive than negative. This team's 15-2. Sure. and two. They just broke the top 10 in the AP poll. Yep. They've got, what, four top 25 wins on the year. They managed that out of conference unbelievably, and they're undefeated in conference, and they're the the favorite to go win the American Athletic Conference. Like, there's a bunch of positive, but you just wish they could recreate what they did against Wichita State on the road every single night against in-conference opponents. Then you wouldn't have to sweat it. Yeah, that now that's the big thing moving forward from this. Like, of course, you can take positives from it, and, and there are overwhelmingly positives. But to me, the biggest thing to take away from this is the expectation – is and has been so high for this team. And now they just have to deliver on that and be consistent in their play because the next four, you got South Florida, Tulane, UAB, and Rice. Three of those four games should be big time. Tulane, Tulane's scary on the road. Tulane on the road is absolutely is scary. That's that's not an easy game. You We say that, but that's the game that Memphis will probably win by 25. And then they could play close against South Florida and UAB. And you wouldn't be surprised because of what they've done over the past month. But really, with the talent of this team, they should they should bum rush all four of those teams. And I know Tulane's not a pushover. Like, Tulane's a solid team, but so is Wichita State. So is Virginia. So is a lot of teams that Memphis has beaten this year. Like, they are more than capable of blowing the doors off of every team that they play for the next four. And, and, and plus. Yeah. And the sidebar there with Tulane is they just came close to beating FAU. True. And they got gifted, by the way. Uh, just absolutely, FAU did at least. Yes, got yeah. gifted that Elijah Martin foul on Jalen yeah. Forbes to go ahead. No, I'm, I'm not saying they're bad. No, Tulane is a formidable opponent, no doubt. But Memphis, on paper, and we know this, 100. Yeah, way better. My, my problem with this team is I just don't want them to like because they've been digging themselves holes. Besides this Wichita State game. I don't want them to dig themselves a hole against a team good enough to finish against the wrong ball. team. Yeah, because like these games so far, like uh, in conference, uh, let's leave out Wichita State, Tulsa, SMU, UTSA. In the end of the day, those teams weren't good enough to hold on to the lead. And no. once Memphis said, "All right, let's go ahead and play ball," like let's no, go ahead, you know, and, and and play how we know how to play, they ended up winning those games. You don't want to dig yourself a hole against a team like Tulane or UAB or. Um, FAU, you just can't do that. And I thought it would have been the same against Wichita State, but they handled business. Yeah, for sure. 
All right. Do we have any other thoughts? Talked about the AP poll, talked about net rankings moving up, talked about the game itself and the performances from that. We got we got anything else on that? Well, the only thing on the net rankings, isn't it sad that like you can build up this resume that is phenomenal? Seven one, one quad two wins, second in the country. Probably won't be like that for long because other teams are playing conference play in those power uh, conferences. But you can have you can build up all that good faith, but in the end of the day, the key to everything is blowing out inferior opponents. Like that's that's just still weird, incredibly bizarre to me. They jump up eleven spots because they blew out a team on the road, Wichita State, who's eight and eight. That really, I I just can't believe that moves the needle as much as it does in the net. But again, we we did we did our net attack last week, so I don't want to keep going in on it. Yeah, we won't rehash that too much. Look, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna do a creative outro this week. That's where I'm at right now. Well, well, let's not do a creative outro yet. Let's not do that yet because we do have to talk about the Jordan Brown. Debate. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I forgot. I thought we were gonna talk about that in the hot three, but you're right. Oh no. Um, but Jordan Brown, according to Jason Munz and Commercial Appeal, is he tried to come back. Um, got into a players-only meeting. It seemed like they balked at the idea of him joining the team again. Penny and the staff never really closed the door on it. I think they were being disingenuous for the most part when they said he was still sick and we don't have an update. But um, Jordan Brown could be coming back. And uh, I, I there's two different ways to feel about this. Um, one, I think most people would say you don't want to – mess up a good thing, bring in drama again, because he was drama and there were some issues there. But two, the other part of this is, hey, they need reserve bigs. It's going well right now. If you have, I mean, Injury. I mean, if you have Naquan Tomlin at the moment, I think he'll start eventually, and uh, Jordan Brown off the bench as your front court, <laughs> it alleviates any bit of front court concern or depth that you thought you had. So, yeah, um, I – I am all for Jordan Brown rejoining this team so long as it doesn't disrupt team chemistry. That's where I'm at. I think it's pretty simple. Yeah, I'm, I, you're exactly right. It's on paper. Does it make you a better team to have Jordan Brown, especially with Naquan Tomlin now? Absolutely. Like on paper, it can't hurt. You're adding a talented, experienced, proven player to a rotation of bigs that has been really good this year between Malcolm Dandridge and Nick Jordan and Naquan Tomlin. You add him to that, but as you mentioned, like the caveat to it is it's not worth, and he he showed that it's not worth having him come in and mess up chemistry and mess up the locker room because, I mean, you being someone who played collegiate sports, like you know how important the locker room is. It's not something that's really talked about enough, but if chemistry is off, if there's awkwardness in the locker room, if there's uh, players that aren't on the same page and have different viewpoints on the situation – then that can totally mess a team up. That can make you lose games that you shouldn't lose, or that could prohibit you from going as far as you should go in the tournament, uh, both conference and NCAA tournaments. Those are things that shed teams down or shred teams down is a lack of chemistry and a lack of guys being on the same page. So if, if there's any risk of that, which I would imagine there would be, knowing what happened, then knowing that everybody's not going to be on the same page as, as that, as far as the players in the locker room, then I, I don't see the point in doing it. Like you said, don't mess up a good thing. And I get it. They could have an injury and then really be thin in the front court and that be a big situation and something difficult to deal with. But it's just not worth throwing everything off. If he had 
if at the beginning of the year he was incredible and then this happened, maybe you would be more uh, lenient towards saying, okay, this makes sense and I'm okay with this because we know what he can do. We know what he can do from, from what he did last year, but in a Memphis uniform and with this team, he did he did nothing. He didn't make this team better. Yeah, and, and it is there is something, too. Like the last game he played was against Ole Miss, and they've gone 10 straight wins since that. Right. Um, uh, but here's the thing. Uh, if if he's willing to, you know, sacrifice a little bit of playing time, sacrifice shots putting up, he gets in better shape, he plays in spurts, I, I, I don't mind it. But it, that those are all the things. He's going to have to apologize, talk to his team. That's, because yeah. Theoretically, they're probably sitting there like, damn, dude, you kind of quit on us yeah. like, in the end of the day. But, um, you know, I, I, going into the year, it's let's say Jordan Brown does rejoin which I am, as long as it doesn't disrupt chemistry, I'm fine with. Think about going into the year if you said front court, Malcolm Dandridge, Nick Jordan, uh, Naquan Tomlin, and Jordan and Brown. Yeah. I mean, man, like the, the upside's nuts. I, I think that uh, there is a pretty substantial upside to bring Jordan Brown back. But, again, um, you have to weigh that. You have to do the pros and cons and decide if he is willing to uh, – sort of check his ego at the door, those type of things. Because a lot of – I mean, based on this last time out, it feels like a lot of this team has. They've, yeah, they've no, I, think you, I think you hit the nail on the head in saying that he's going to have to get up in front of the team and apologize, and his words are going to have to let them know where he's at and that he's had, you know, a change of heart on things. And then his actions have to follow that. Like, he has to show it on the court every day that he's willing to get in good shape, that he's – you know, willing to have his body where it needs to be, that he's willing to be a team player, that he's willing to adjust to the system and not try to get the system to adjust to him because they don't they don't need him. They don't need him. They don't. They don't. At the end of the day, they do not need him. But yeah. if he can be the Jordan Brown that we thought he could be in, in maybe yes. 10, 15, 20 minutes a night, oh, my gosh, man. Yeah. How much more do you unlock? Yeah. Gabe, Gabe, we know he's not, though. Like that's the thing. Well, think about it this way. Think about it this way. He had he, style of play, though. He, he you you can find ways to get him involved if as long as team chemistry is okay. Look at look at the way that look at the way Penny utilizes his big men right now. Right. You look at Naquan. You look at Nick Jordan. You look at Malcolm, and the majority of their effectiveness comes off of their screening ability and their their just dogged movement like what they're they're the way that they move right. the way that they run the floor doing all that floor, you know being able to spread out a little bit look at nick nick is the number three um most efficient player in college basketball right now because of the way that he's playing because of the way penny uses them imagine adding a ball dominant center who we know doesn't isn't in the shape to play because here's another thing i would say he had four months with this basketball team to get in shape he had four months with them. And then where has he been the last 10 games? Has he been working now, out? What kind of shape is he in now? Let, let me just put it this way, though. If you can let bygones be bygones, this is not a guy who's just going to be thrown into the starting lineup and take a bunch of minutes away from everybody. He's not in a preferential spot right now. He's a non-preferential spot. So I think Penny and the staff would be able to manage that if they feel like he can bring something to the table. Now, again, I get what you're saying. I completely understand what you're saying. But if they feel as if this is a guy who can come in for 10 or 15 minutes a game and give them what they want 
if there's foul trouble and everything else, I feel like it's worth doing. I just do. And, uh, you know, let's be honest about Jordan Brown. He is in a spot right now where it's like it's either this or he goes overseas, try to find a contract right this second. So maybe he's willing to give up more at this point because he's seen the past 10 games, this team have this type of success, and he wants to sort of change around the narrative before he heads off to his pro career. Two points I'll say to that. Um, If he had a contract overseas, he wouldn't be back. Number one. Number two. There's no, you can't even go to Turkey. Come on. Number two. Number two. You're all of us have played sports our entire lives, right? Like we've all played sports. Gabe, you're the only one that's played it at the level that you've played it, right? And so I would like to hear kind of your how would you feel? I mean, you were the you were the, you were one of the main leaders on your team in the locker room. How would you feel if a dude who did is doing doing this? How would you feel about it? What would this your response is, be? This is this is the interesting part of this. Um, because I think going into the season, these guys, you know, these are my brothers. That's their thought process. That's how every team is. Um, but when guys sort of do their own thing, you feel a type of way. But I think, you know, back in the day when I, you know, playing for Fuente, I was on leadership council. There was about 15 guys on each, or, uh, you know, 15 guys, some from offense, some from defense, some from special teams that we brought together to make decisions like this. Weren't you captain um, at one point and, and, while you're there? Yeah, I was my senior year. And then we, you know, we would discuss these things like, does he deserve another chance? You know, should we bring him back? How do we feel like these things come up? And what I found is more often than not, teams will rally behind that person and try to give him a second chance and try to see what happens. Now, they're going to have to weigh a whole lot. Like they're just going to have to discuss behind the scenes. Do we really want this? Do we view it as a problem? Can it become a problem for us long-term if we're trying to vie for a, you know, top five seed, get into the tournament and do some things. Um, But, you know, more often than not, and I hope Penny goes about it this, this way, um, the, the locker room will speak for themselves. Um, and, And I think that in this particular case, it looked like they did not like the idea at first, but they may be warming up to it by the second. Maybe Penny will have some discussions with guys, but we'll see, man. I I, I wish the best for Jordan Brown, regardless of what happens. But Absolutely. at the same time, it's just it, it's been a weird, rough go for him. And it is kind of sketchy after 10, 10 straight wins. He's like, Oh, I'm ready to get back in. Yeah, we're 15 and 2. We're top 10 in the country. I bet you won. we've won 10 games since you left, 10 games in a row since you left. Right. So I there mean, is come that. On. But I, I think this is a locker room decision, and we'll see, you know, Javon Quinterly, Jaquan Walton, Malcolm Dangers. We'll see what they decide. So we've seen a little bit of uh, – see, now I'm, i got to go with the creative lead now. Go ahead. So we're seeing a little bit of tension. We're seeing a little bit of disagreement between Gabe and Kenny on this topic. Hopefully. I will always cede I will always cede to Gabe's uh, opinion on things. Yeah, I know. Hopefully, that's not a sign of things to come for the University of Memphis basketball program. Hopefully, they are on the same page. But we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side with the hot three, and we are going to see if Gabe and Kenny can get back on the same page as well. People want to project 
their beliefs and their perceptions mm-hmm. and mold somebody to look like they want them to look and act like right. they want them to act, man. Think about it. If somebody going to dislike you, they're going to dislike you regardless of mm-hmm. what you do, dog. You can sit here and be the nicest dude, you know, singing uh, uh, carols and everything. They mm-hmm. still going to talk about you. So with Ja, I think it's his swagger. I think it's his attitude. I think it's his confidence. It's almost like they trying to break him. they like, man, yeah. he, you know, he's he too hip hop. Yeah. What's too hip hop? <laughs> right. That's what they saying without saying it. Right. You know, like same thing they used to say about AI. Mm-hmm. Because it's the influence and the power he yeah, has. You got to look at Ja, man. He's the most entertaining NBA pl- player in the NBA. Yeah. I ain't saying he the best. He's, He's the most, most entertaining. entertaining. Yep. So when you have that power and that influence, you want to try to control it. If you can't control it, now you're going to try to tear them down and try to break yeah. them a little bit. Yeah. So it seems like, so that's why they keep saying, have you changed anybody in your circle? And his team was like, no, because they trying to get in. Right. They trying to we get wanna in. We want to be your circle. We want to get in yeah. so we can uh-huh. mold you to how we want you to act mm-hmm. and how we want you to move. Tune in to The Anthony Sane Show, Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 p.m. weekly on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Outside of just Memphis Comfortry alignment, there's been some rumblings all over the Twitterverse. TJ, you heard anything about a merger with the Big 12 ACC leftovers and uh, yeah, the Pac-2? I mean, we've heard it, but like it just seems weird to think about, right? The Pac is trying to get and retain their, their AQ status. I mean, they're going to have to add some teams. I don't know what the number is. I can't remember the number. So, if it's six or eight. On how well, many teams I don't know that they're having to add. I think what he's alluding to is a merger of the Big 12. Florida State breaks away and whatever three or four teams go. Let's say this merger, they end up with 30 teams. You're looking at three 10-team... Something like that. Mini divisions or whatever. Sure. Whatever they're going to call it. I don't know. I definitely think that there's going to be some changing. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. It's not Kenny this time. I'm gonna have to throw us to the hot three. Are we good? Are we good for me throwing to the hot three? Yeah. It feels kind of awkward. It does. It's kind of awkward, but hey, it, it, everything's a little awkward in Memphis with all this snow on the ground and 12 degree temperatures and freezing overnight. And by the way, you know, if you uh, if you have some frozen pipes, you know who to call. Nope. Do you know who to call? Okay. Neither, I don't. neither do I. We have to, we're gonna have to figure that out, brother. I had a buddy. I I had a buddy at the end of 2022 who had his pipes burst in his kitchen and had to redo his kitchen. It took nine months because usually we get backed up. But either way, let's hop into the hot three. First of the hot three, it's where you were. It's where you were this weekend. We have to get into the super wild card weekend. And I'll I'll say this. um, We have a couple of games being played while we record tonight. But uh, let's start with the First four games, I, I think that three of the four games were just miserably bad. They just were not yeah. played well. Um, I want to start with you, you though, on the uh, Packers versus Cowboys, forty-eight to thirty-two, buddy. Good lord, I thought I thought they had more going for them this year than they've had in a while. They had some injuries along the way, but they couldn't stop the run. Dak it was playoff Dak, and that's not a good thing. And that it just nope. that was frustrating. It it looked like. 
from every standpoint, from players, from schemes to play calls, it look it didn't look like anything the Cowboys have done all year. Kenny and I were talking about this off air before we started recording, but Dallas played more zone than they've played all year against a team they easily could have man matched because the Packers don't have good rec- like they don't they don't have scary receivers. They have some decent guy. I mean, Romeo Dobbs had a huge game. Both young guys. Yeah, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. Jaden Reed, they've all, they're all good players, but none of them are like scary enough to where you don't feel like Deron Bland or Stephon Gilmore or Jordan Lewis can match up with them one on one on a play by play basis and have more pressure packages. But there was no pre- they got no pressure on Jordan Love, and they know they're playing a good offensive line with Zach Tom and Elton Jenkins and some really good offensive line and a team that's been good up front all year. They didn't really bring much extra pressure. They didn't really get after Jordan Love. They sat in soft zones, and there was guys running wide open everywhere because this is not a team that plays zone coverage very consistently. You really don't have the safeties for it. You don't have good deep ball safeties. Donovan Wilson, J. Ron Curse, Malik Hooker is easily your best deep ball safety, and he's not great. Donovan Wilson and J. Ron Curse are box guys. Uh, Marquise Bell is a safety who's been converted to linebackers. You just don't have the really the – the, the personnel for zone coverage, it's, it, the scheme is built to be a man coverage team, and the Packers are a perfect team to play man coverage against. They didn't do that. Offensively, it's like they were trying to trying to just show nuts by matching CeeDee Lamb up one-on-one on the outside against Jair Alexander. And it's like CeeDee Lamb has done the majority of his damage this year from the slot, and they yeah. and moving him around in the pre-snap motion. And they didn't start doing that until the second half. CeeDee Lamb didn't line up in the slot, wasn't – motioned around the formation until in the second half. And, yes, statistically he finished with a good game. But the first half he was non-existent. He didn't do anything. Dak what was, Dak what was I terrible. was disappointed with, though, is like Dak needed to prove something to everybody. Uh, Mike McCarthy's going against his old team. You think that he's going to draw up a better game plan, and it just fell flat. And you're at home against a team that is the seventh seed in the NFC. Like, that's just – it was first seventh seed that's ever won, by the way, in the new playoff format. Yeah. It's just frustrating, man. And, and you know, I, I am a – I was a Cowboys believer for a while this year, and uh, I feel foolish. I feel completely foolish for having believed in them. Me too, um, because I never fall – even as a Cowboys fan, I never fall victim to buying into the hype. And this is the one year that I started a little bit to say, okay, look at the road. Right, yeah. Look at the road. You can, you're going to play – you're probably going to play the Packers – and then the Lions, and then you 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 go out there in the NFC Championship game as the 49ers, you let it all hang out, and if you at least make it there, that's good. And they yeah. they a dud in the first round yeah. against the team they're seven and a half point favorites against. I know Green Bay's been hot at the at end of the year, but they're not they're not a great team. They're nine and well, eight. Their pass defense was miserable down the stretch of the season. Like there was their, no run de- their run defense was twenty eighth in the league. Yeah, it, it just there was no excuse for that type of performance. No. But they're out, and now real questions start to hit. Like, let's be honest, real questions are hitting. Like, okay, what happens with Mike McCarthy? I, by the way, the Bill Belichick stuff. Please stop it. That, yeah. Jerry and him would never work together. No, or maybe they try to work together, but I no, don't. It, it would not work on the field and work to go win a championship. Um, and then you also have the Dak questions coming forward, even though he was an All Pro this yeah, year. Yeah, I'm not, and I get it. I get, I get it. I do get it. I 100% get it, but you can't move on from Dak. You're not going to no, find a quarterback better not after than all, Dak. Not after an all-pro year. No, now, you're not um, going to find a quarterback better than Dak. And I'm not saying this game was 100% on Dak or Mike McCarthy. I don't think it was game plan well. And then Dak w- was off, like especially the yeah. 
the two interceptions, especially the second interception, if you watch that playback, he, he was, okay, so CeeDee Lamb was getting frustrated with Dak all game in the first half. He was extremely frustrated with him. You could tell Dak was a little antsy. He was playing like he normally doesn't play. And then that second interception, the pick six, which that was really the nail. Like, they were yeah, driving. They could have scored and made it a two-possession game. Still plenty of time left. And they throw a pick six there. They had double slants on the on the left side of the field, Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb. Brandon Cooks was wide open. Yeah. He was wide open. He forced the ball to CeeDee Lamb, and it got picked and taken to the house. Like, it just – nothing looked right from, from the first snap. It, it just yeah. – it, it never looked right. It never felt right. I don't think you can move on from Dak. I don't think they should move on from Dak. I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I know the playoff questions – are fair and they deserve to be there and they will be there until he proves himself and he has to prove himself, but you can't move on from him. Bill Belichick, I don't love that. Mike McCarthy is 36 and 15. He's been very successful in the regular season, not a lot of postseason success. So to me, it's either you keep Mike McCarthy and you roll with him because he led an extremely He's good offense. Back. Yeah, he led an extremely good offense this year, the first year with him calling the plays as the head coach. The offense looked really good for 95% of the season outside of really the 49ers game and uh, the playoff game against the Packers. Or you give Mike Vrabel easily the most talented team that he's ever had. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and you you could, because, because the thing with the Cowboys the last several years has been toughness in the playoffs yeah. in December, in January, when you have to win games, are they tough enough? Braves brings that. Braves brings that. Braves brings that in a big way. You've already got a top 10 defense, but sometimes they look horrible. Sometimes they yeah. look like – totally out of sorts and not tough and finesse and like they can't stand up against the run. Mike Vrabel is not going to play that game at all. Yeah. It's not going to happen. You're going to have a tough team if Mike Vrabel is your coach. So to me, you do one of those two things. You either keep Mike McCarthy, you're higher Vrabel. You don't run the mill back with Bill Belichick. He's been head coach for whatever, 20 something years, 24 years with the Patriots um, by itself. I think it's like 28 years or 29 years as a head coach in this league. Long time, buddy. You either go Vrabel or you keep Mike McCarthy, and yeah. if they do anything else, I think that's kind of ridiculous. I think I think keeping Mike McCarthy and Dak and everything together and running it back next year is probably the most likely way forward. Now, uh, elsewhere, I, all these other games besides Rams, Lions, I'll get to in a second. We're kind of meh. Uh, Texans versus Browns, I didn't see that coming. But you talk about pick sixes. Joe Flacco was uh, that was uh, he was five and zero against the spread and straight up uh, uh, in wild card games. No longer. That was brutal. Uh, Chiefs versus Dolphins. Dolphins could not – they just couldn't buck up against the Chiefs in negative 27 wind chill. This was never going to happen. Uh, but that Rams-Lions game was was phenomenal. I thought that lived up to the hype. And, uh, you know, shout out to uh, Dan Campbell. Brad Holmes, by the way. Like, this is a guy who, when he was trying to get an NFL job, was working at Enterprise, rent a car. Yeah. Their, their GM. And he's done an unbelievable job building that roster. Um, it was their first uh, playoff 32. win since 92. 30, since 92. Yeah, against the Cowboys, years. by the way. 32 yep. years against the Cowboys. Um, so that that was sort of the highlight uh, thus far. Now, obviously, we have two games going on right now. But shout out to the Lions, man. That was impressive as hell. And, uh, you know, the Rams really gave them a run for their money. But in the end of the day, Jared Goff paced the game really well. Um, and and they, they made it happen, even on their home field. Yep. Love it. Topic number two, Gabe. Let's go. Topic number two, Grizzlies injuries. The basketball gods are not on their side. Last time out, uh, they ended up losing a game. Um, but it's, it's to the Knicks. 
But at the same time, they had eight guys that were active because Jake LaRavia got hurt. He's out for three more weeks. Desmond Bain, of course, six more weeks. Um, but they had eight guys that were active, nine guys injured. It's just, it, it's a season for Mel. I, I, you know, I, I'll keep going out there and saying that. It's just rough. And now we have the MLK Junior Day game going on right this second. And it's snowing outside and people can't show up and show out how they normally do. It's just everything about this season is sort of, it feels like a payback um, because they upset the basketball gods last year with uh, sort of, uh, you know, Jaron, or not Jaron, but Ja and all of his issues um, and sort of their trash talk. It just sort of feels that way. Yeah, they pissed somebody off. That's for sure. And you said it. This is the season from hell. I mean, this is terrible. Starts off with jaw suspension, then jaw injury, and then, as you just mentioned, nine players being injured and only having eight active. I mean, this this is terrible. It's horrible. Don't even watch anymore. Well, I mean, here's the thing. There is a couple of bright spots. Uh, Guys just get get minutes, and I don't think there's any wrong answers with who you want to throw out there if you're Taylor Jenkins. But G.G. Jackson had a 20-point performance against the Knicks. You had uh, uh, Vince Williams Jr. Uh, he was able to sort of show his ability um, offensively, at the very least. That was that's that's fun in itself. So like, there's just just get look at get get a look at guys for the rest of the year. And if you want to do something around the trade deadline, make a consolidation trade, go ahead and make that happen. But it's not about winning. It's just not. It's about getting no. guys looks and seeing what happens from here on. No. And this yep. the injury. It's nuts, man. I want to know. Like, there's probably some historical significance. I'll have to dive into You're probably not wrong. That's yeah, how bad it's been. Also, Jaron is in and out of the lineup, too, because yeah. he's getting banged up. And honestly, if you want to sit him, sit him. Sit him. Sit We're him. at that point. We're at that point. Now, last thing here, uh, third of the hot three. Um, time to talk about Saban retiring and Kalen DeBoer in at Alabama. It looks like Jed Fish is being hired at Washington to, to replace Kalen DeBoer. But we lost the – I mean – I don't want to say lost because he's he's still around. He's living. But we uh, lost the legend of the game, uh, you know, early this week or last week. And I did not see that coming, man. Um, and Jim Harbaugh and Michigan get to say that they sent him out and sent Nick Saban on his way. Um, that's, that's, that's definitely rough. But Nick Saban, man, um, talk yeah. about a guy who just 17 years at Bama was at the top of college football year after year, the adjustments he had to make along the way, you know, going from, you know, uh, grind it out with Jake Coker to bringing in the best four quarterback run we've ever seen when it was Jalen Hurts to uh, then Matt Jones, then Bryce Young. Um, then he had to revert back this year because of Jalen Milrow and his limitations. And he did that really well. Um, I think he still rel- went out relatively on top. But it just came down to, you know, it's a new day and age on the recruiting calendar, and it's hard um, to stay in the office till 2 a.m. at yeah. 72 years old. Yeah. No, he's the GOAT. Unquestionably the GOAT, what he did at Alabama, also won a national championship at LSU before that. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's, all, it's kind of poetic, him and Belichick going out at the same time. We know they're good friends. There have been documentaries made about the two that coached together for the Cleveland Browns back in the 80s, and then they ended up – individually becoming the two best coaches in their sport of all time and the two most accomplished coaches in their sport of all time. So, I mean, you can hate Bama, you can hate Saban, all that, but he's clearly the GOAT. It's unquestionable. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, um, that pretty well. so I do want to talk about Kalen DeBoer a little bit. We've talked about him. We're both big Kalen DeBoer fans and what he's done both between Indiana and Washington. 
but just the shoes to fill. I mean, it, it, he can't follow it. No following it. He's yeah, not going to. can't Saban. hire another Nick Saban. It won't no. happen. No, he's never going to be Saban. He's not going to win six national championships at Bama. They're not going to be a top five team every year for the next 17 years. But as far as a, a, a coaching hire that you can make, I mean, I know you heard Kiffin and Norvell thrown around a, a lot. Of, pretty much anybody that's a successful coach or that has ties to Alabama, Sarkeesian was thrown in there. There was a ton of names thrown into the hat of that job. And Kalen DeBoer might have been the best hire, honestly. I mean, yeah. he had Indiana turned around. No, he wasn't the head coach, but the offensive coordinator. At, is that That's right, didn't he? He wasn't the head coach. At, he, no, no. he was offensive coordinator in Offensive coordinator, yeah. So him and Michael Penix helped turn Indiana into one of the better uh, – really one of the better programs in the country and at a program that's not – have does not have any historical significance in college football at all. Um, and then took Washington, who has been successful and had decent years, but took them to a level of competing for a national championship. And you say, oh, that's a one-off from Michael Penix. Michael Penix was incredible, but you look at that roster, they have five projected first-round picks right now. Yep. And that goes into Kalen DeBoer and what he's done at the University of Washington and what he built with that receiving core with you know some of his guys up front, uh, both on the offensive and defensive line that are projected to be first-round picks along with Michael Penix and the development of him and what he became. So I think Caleb, Kalen DeBoer is a really good coach. I think he's a really good recruiter, and he's accomplished. And I don't know, how long does he last? That's It's hard to say how long does he last because right. – It's so early and, you know, like they are – you're taking over a program along with Ohio State, in my opinion, where the fans are the most rabid. The, yeah. the fans literally will not accept nine and three. That's not how no. it works. But on the Kalen DeBoer conversation, just in general, I like the hire. I thought Dan Lanning should have been at the top of the list because he's just – you can project him further down into the future. Right. Like he's a guy who just understands the new age of college football and lets it work, uh, uses it at his disposal. Kalen DeBoer is not necessarily that guy, but I think when it comes to persona to replace Nick Saban, you brought in a similar persona, and I think that really helps. Like a guy who doesn't want the attention – but gets it because he wins at a high level right. like that in itself, I think sort of um, brings me to uh, love the hire and, and not to mention, I mean, what is he 104 and 12 and his head coaching stops. He, he's, you know, got it going on the field. Um, you mentioned Washington being a, a national championship caliber team. So I like the Kalen DeBoer hire. Um, and, you know, in the end of the day, when it comes to how long will he last at Bama, I have no real answer for that. It's hard to say because um, you, you never know how that's all going to play out. You never know um, what, what, the, uh, what the fans are really expecting out of him in the first few years. But the truth of the matter is, when we talk about Bama, he's got to be in a national championship in the next five years or it, he, he'll be on the hot seat. That's yeah. what the Bama job is right now. Yep. We'll try to find someone who can get him there if, if he can't do it. Completely agree. All right, we are going to wrap this up. We appreciate you guys for joining. If you are watching on YouTube, you can like, subscribe, comment there. You can do the same thing. If you are listening wherever you get your podcast, Apple Music, Spotify, any of those other podcast platforms, we thank you guys for joining in with us. Hopefully you used us to pass a little bit of time because no one is probably working right now. So we appreciate you checking in. Everybody stay safe. Uh, enjoy the couple days off and snow, but uh, try to stay in if you can. And uh, Gabe, I think that's it. We're going to wrap this one up and we will see you guys back here next week. Thank you for listening to On the Bluff. 
If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co for comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports and how you can become an insider.